how did it do? <laughs> I just like did it. How did it do? That wasn't on purpose. I don't know what that was. Um, and I was just thinking, I have fun in life by myself, with God, with others. Like there's stuff to laugh about a lot. And yeah, life with God is um, hard. So is life without God. Life is hard, period. Um, and you got to find ways to laugh. Otherwise, you're going to lose your mind. You might as well be laughing while you lose your mind. You know? <laughs> That's how I feel about it anyways. Um, anyways. I had I had done one podcast. Um, I recorded a session. And then I was like, you know what? I just, I wasn't having peace in my soul about it. Um, I was like, I don't know if now's the right time. And then my friend said that and I was like, okay, yeah, that's also kind of the, the message in my spirit as well. I'm going to wait on that. But then when this one came to mind, I was like, yeah, I think this is actually the one that needs to be talked about right now because guys, Christians, people in the body of Christ, have you forgotten that we know how this ends? We know the ending. It's not a mystery. We don't know who's going to win. Jesus has already won. He's already defeated Satan on the cross. We win, okay? If you follow Jesus, you win. You don't have to go out there and be nasty to anybody. You don't have to go out there and be doing shady things. The battle's already won in Christ, okay? And I got on this mic <laughs> to <laughs> I just spent the last 30 minutes and I realized I'm essentially going to write the whole Bible if I keep writing down uh verses to include in this episode but guys there is verse after verse that talks about loving each other loving your neighbor and doing good deeds and right now in the news in the world in media in life for many people there is a huge um, heaviness and weight and seriousness happening versus um, the LGBT community and trans people. Um, yes, as Christians, we believe that is not of God. And um, the Bible tells us not to live that way. But guess what? Those people don't live by the Bible. Um, and there's a million standards in the Bible that I doubt you even are holding yourself to or living by on a daily basis. And what I am coming here to say right now is what within you feels this fiery need to get up and fight this battle and like stop people from living their life the way they want? Because newsflash god gave all of us free will including you including them and if they choose to live a life of sin that is their choice they will stand before god someday and be held accountable for every choice they made you going out there and trying to stop them from making a choice god didn't even do that he gave adam and eve the choice of the wrong tree in the garden he if he didn't want any wrong choices made or no options to choose something other than him, he would not have put that tree there. 
I wanted to add into this spot right here. God didn't want control. He wanted trust. He wanted intimacy. And that's why he gave us free will. And you trying to control those groups will never force them to love God or choose God. God wants them to choose him the same way you did of your own accord. Okay. So if you think as a Christian, it is your duty to go out there and abandon same-sex marriages. These are grown people who have consented to marry each other. They're not forcing each other. They're not violating a child, someone underage. These are two grown people making this choice, okay? They are choosing the wrong tree, but God will let them. And God has not called us to go out there and make all these rules and laws to stop them from making those choices. Like if you're like, it's against the Bible, it's against God's design for marriage. Yeah. You know what else is? The word says not to get drunk. Why don't you spend all your time going out there and shutting down liquor stores? Oh, because I guess that one's not as bothersome to you. You know what the Bible says is pure and blameless religion to care for widows and orphans. There's over 500,000 children. I think it's probably more than that in foster care today. So if you have time to go down and hold signs and, and make picket fences like in protesting same-sex marriages and people claiming to be transgender, then you have time to adopt a child. I guess what I'm asking is, is why do you think God has motivated you to go out here and fight one particular sin? Did you know sex trafficking? There's millions of people in sex trafficking. Why don't you feel a desire to go out there and fight that? Human trafficking is still a thing. Modern day slavery is a thing. There's more slavery now than there was in the Bible. Why don't you feel a desire to go out there and stop that evil? What within you, I'm asking you to ask yourself, what within you is so fired up that, you, I mean, like I, I've, I've seen little stories on Instagram stories, Facebook stories, that there's like these rallies of people saying like, we're not going to let this happen in our country. And I'm like, but you're okay with pornography. You're okay with child pornography. You're okay with child abuse. You're okay with um, men violating their children in homes. You're okay with um, all the homelessness population. You're really fired up to go out there and stand against these things. But there's a lot of things that just don't bother you or it's not your issue, is it? I mean, you know what? I'm against abortion. But also, why aren't we providing homes and finances for single mothers? Like we're asking them to keep these babies. Why aren't we turning around and providing them support? Like we're stopping, we're stopping the murder of an innocent baby in her womb. But then we're not providing it? Providing her with any help. Like, I don't know if it's in James, I can't even remember or where, or Paul says it, but he says, if we say, if someone is like hungry and needs clothing and we say, Hey, 
God loves you, be on your way, but we don't provide food or clothing. He says that is dead faith. Okay. <laughs> like we're patting ourselves on the back because we're stopping abortion, but then we're not actually living out the act of faith. So the Bible over and over gives scripture about doing good deeds. And I'm going to read some of them to you. Oh, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. That's Galatians 5, 13 through 14. Hmm. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, picket fences, standing up and fighting against... No, I'm just kidding. That was sarcasm. It ended at self-control. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Guys, we are... People are acting like the spirit is motivating them to go out and stand up for God's design of marriage when you don't even treat your wife with respect. When you're not even gentle and kind and patient with your own children as if you actually honor and respect God's design for marriage. Like I know so many Christian men who they totally forget the part in the Bible when it says, husbands, lay down your lives for your wives the way Christ did for the church. All they seem to be hoarding over their, lording over their wives. <laughs> All they seem to be remembering is the part where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. They forget that they're supposed to lead by example and die first to themselves. So you're acting like you're out here defending God's design for marriage. Are you even honoring it in your private life, in your own home? I'm just saying, I, I look at sometimes like I start judging someone or I get on my little high horse and it's a, it's a, it's a Statland pony. It's tiny. My high horse is not very high because I quickly look in the mirror and I'm like, mm, yeah, I've got a lot of things I got to work on. Who am I to tell this person? They need to stop doing that. For one, if it's not a believer in Christ, I'm not going to tell them that anyways, because guess what? It won't make sense to them. They do not have the mind of God, so they cannot fathom why they shouldn't do something that feels good to them. And so I guess I'm just a little mind blown right now at Christians who act like they're living in a kingdom mindset, but they're living in the American dream patriarchy mindset of it's everyone's right to grow up, get married, have a family, live in their own house and run their own business, make a living. I'm sorry. And I know there's tons of people who like think capitalism is in the Bible. Did you know in Acts, it says the people in the church, if anyone was in need, they would sell things and help the person in need. In America, we're like, yeah, well, that's not my job. That's the government's job. <laughs> like, like, why are there billionaires and there's so many homeless people? Why are there millionaires and there's so many homeless people? It's silly. 
really. And also, all of you who think America was a nation founded by God, yeah, go do a little research. Our founding fathers were part of Freemasonry, which is a cult that worships Baal. You're welcome. Our country was not founded on biblical Jesus principles. It was founded on what people thought were uh, some good moral standards. But Jesus didn't tell these people to go across the country and slaughter tons of tribes. Jesus didn't do that. God said, don't use my name in vain. They went across the nation doing things in God's name that God never told them to do. And that still happens today. We are never going to win over lost people by shouting at them what we don't agree with. The word says that God draws people to him with his loving kindness, not with pointing out their sin and, and condemnation. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you because you're already condemned. I actually came to save you from your condemnation. So as I read in Galatians 5, 14, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then we go to Romans 13, 8. Hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And I think it was Jesus who said the entire law is summed up in, in, in the first two commandments, which is one, love the, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. If every human on earth was always living in a mindset of i would never i'm not going to do this thing over here because i wouldn't want someone to do it to me or i wouldn't like if my neighbor did this to me so i'm not going to do this to him and you might be saying okay well who's my neighbor you know the story of the man who was beaten and robbed and left on the side of the street and then the priest walked by and he passed over to the other side of the street and then someone else passed by and then a Samaritan came and bandaged the guy and put him up in a hotel and paid for him for the night. There's a whole lot of stories and morals lessons in that story. But I think the main one being is who is our neighbor? Everyone. Everyone is our neighbor. That guy was a complete stranger to him, but he stopped and took care of him because in his mind it was his neighbor. Because we are all God's creation. And the way that the world looks at humans as if they came from another place, they're a stranger. I don't know them. Hey, we all came from the same place, which is a womb. And we all need love. And by the way, right now, as someone who struggled with same-sex attraction myself, I know people from that community one of the huge things they need is validation because somewhere in their lifetime, whether in infancy, toddler, you know, maybe their whole freaking life, they've been invalidated about the way they feel or the way they see the world and how they don't fit into it. And when we come at them with hate, it just adds more pain to that wound that's already extremely deep. And that's not how you heal wounds. 
Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you give thanks to God in everything? How about master that first before you go and start like telling other people what they're doing wrong or that that's a sin and I won't stand for it in my country. How about master that giving thanks to God in everything? As I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, we know how it ends. We know that Jesus has already defeated Satan on the cross. Cross. He took the keys of authority back. He gave them to us. And in the end, Jesus comes back and throws down. Okay. It'll be a complete annihilation against Satan and all demons and evil. And so we have got to wisen up as Christians. Like there have been games, like a, here's a little sports analogy for you. There were games I played back in the day that in the middle of them, I thought we were going to lose. And you know, when you start to lose, your attitude can get kind of bad or you can get sassy or complaining or negative or a little lashing out at referees. Maybe I'm the only one <laughs> that did that. But just when you're in a state of defeat, you act like it, okay? But we should recognize as Christians, we are not defeated. We are the head and not the tail. Christ did it all for us already. We are operating from first place because we are in Christ. We are hidden in him, so we are victors because he gave us the victory. So we are always coming from a position of royalty. We should be classy, patient, slow to anger. There are just so many things that we 
could be pursuing and winning people over for Christ in loving and kind ways. But people think the like method is to go out and make these laws trying to stop people of the same sex from getting married. Like, they're going to be like, oh, there's a law now that says we can't get married. Shoot, let's not get married and stop loving each other. That is not how they're going to come to know the truth. They're going to come to know the truth if we love them and introduce them to Jesus and they accept Jesus and he opens their eyes. We can't open their eyes. You know, I had my own girlfriend and you know what? I knew the word and I knew the truth. I had to surrender myself. No one telling me I'm in sin or anything like that made me stop. I had to make a personal choice to crucify my flesh, surrender and give my life fully to Jesus. Nobody can make me do that. And you can't make anyone else do that. So I don't believe God is telling you to go out there and try to ban same-sex marriages. Parents who are trying to force your kids into conversion therapy... Um, I'm not even sure what conversion therapy is necessarily. I've never been to it. Um, I think it's okay to, to send your child to therapy, but don't send them there thinking you're going to make them straight. Cause I actually don't even think there is such thing as straight or gay. Um, I think there is wounding and the wounding within us creates this void that any human is tempted to fill in any capacity outside of Christ, whether it be drugs, alcohol, sex, same-sex attraction. It is all essentially a wounding of being born into this world, infected with sin because of the fall. And all of us need healing and freedom and so if you think you're gonna like that's another thing when people like try to pray the gay away i'm like stop saying pray the gay away say what within me desires this and why like if god didn't make me this way what lie am i believing what happened to me where did things within me go a different direction other than the way god designed for me what influenced me who impacted me and those are the things we walk with jesus on as he heals us and transforms us i am not already arrived and perfect i still have weaknesses and things i'm working on and I, I i might always be working on them but jesus is worth it in my mind and in my heart i give up everything for him well, I mean, everything that I could essentially give up that I felt like he was telling me to give up. <laughs> I still live in a, an apartment and have a car and a scooter. So it's not like I gave up everything, but I gave up my, what I thought were desires opposite of what he has for me. But, oh, <sighs> guys, there is a huge spiritual dimension that we can't see with our eyes. So in Ephesians 6, 10, when it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So your your struggle is not against gay people. Your struggle is not against trans people. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so as I said in 2.2, there is a spiritual dimension that we cannot see with our with our earthly eyes. Some people have the gift of seeing into the spirit realm, the invisible spirit realm, but I can't, and I think I'm thankful for that. But that is what our battle is against, okay? There are literally demons in the air watching people, and they send people thoughts. They send them enough and enough and enough, and guess what? A person's not like, whoa, where'd that thought come from? Who sent it? Instead, it feels like it comes from within, and they're like, huh, I've never felt this way before, but I think I feel this way now. And if they are not awake in Christ and aware of spiritual warfare and aware of the truth, it is that quickly, easily to be deceived. In 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says some abandon the faith in the later times and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. You shouldn't be surprised as a Christian that this happens. Okay? There's no plot twist. Like, we already know how this ends. Back to Ephesians 6. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Okay. What kind of armor does it tell us to put on? It tells us to put on truths, knowledge. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I don't like put on truth around my waist. You know what? When there is truth in my heart, it is it is noticeable in the spirit realm. Those spirits can see that I've got truth around my waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. So you know what? Here I've got this breastplate of righteousness on. So like the enemy's like, I'm going to try to hit her with this. Dang, I can't because she's got the breastplate of righteousness on. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. All right, so I have on a helmet of salvation. It is something they can see in the spirit realm. If I've got these things on, they know I've, that I'm equipped and I am got armored up. I'm armored up. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. There's a few good things in, in Timothy I want to read. 1 Timothy 2, 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Hmm. 
God wants all men to be saved. Okay. God still has it in his heart and desires that everyone on this planet come to know him. So these people down there that are doing things that you think are an abomination to God, because that's what God says, but you're looking at them without first examining yourself and making sure you're pure and living a holy life in God. God wants those same people to know him too. And if you can't go down there and be near those people with love in your heart for them, you should just stay away altogether because you are going to do nothing but put more knives into their wounds. And that's the last thing they need. Okay. They've already got probably a lot of them grew up in church under Christian parents. There's a lot of those. I was one of them. Things happen in this world. People get it wrong. And even people with good intentions hurt their children. So there's a lot of hurt in that community already. They don't need more of it. So unless you can go to them with love and compassion, stay away. Go fight sex trafficking. Go fight human trafficking. Go start an organization to help single moms. Go adopt some children. Go do something out of love that's helping the world rather than stopping people from sin. Why don't you go stop the drug cartel in Mexico? Why don't you go shut down all these bars where people are coming out and drunk driving and killing innocent people? Like, I'm not saying really go do those things, but I'm just saying you act like the sin of same-sex marriage or people transgender needing transgender care is so repulsive to you when there are millions of things out there already that you could be actively doing in a positive direction to show the love of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of do doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Whew. That's deep. That's a lot. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a harsh reality coming. For those who refuse Jesus. Like if you if you were standing somewhere and you looked out and you saw like a child and you just saw this beast racing towards them, you would run and try to grab that child and save them from the beast that's gonna devour them. Those are the lost sinners of the world. They need rescuing. They're not going to think they need to be rescued. They don't think they're broken. They don't think 
they're lost. They don't think they need a savior. They do. The God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded their eyes. And the love of us, the love of God coming through us, can help open their eyes. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Wow. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Do you ever quarrel, quarrel with anyone? Your spouse, your children, employees, your boss, people in traffic? <laughs> I mean, God, there's so many things that I have to work on, you know? And I just look at people going after someone so passionately. It's just like, wow, I wonder what that person is like at home. I wonder what thoughts go through that person's mind all day long. If they've mastered taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. I like this one a lot. Titus 3, 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. <sighs> None of us did anything to make ourselves right with God. We just received the gift of salvation through Jesus. And anyone you know that doesn't know Jesus, they need that gift too. They don't need your judgment. They don't need your oppression. They need the love of Jesus. One of my favorite verses is um, in John. When Jesus says, a new command I give you. Let me get there one second. John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's such a radical thing to see people genuinely loving each other. That if you're loving your brother or sister in Christ, the world's going to be like, what is up with you people? Like, there's something different here because uh, people don't do that anymore. And it is going to draw them to the truth, which is Jesus. Like, how cool is that? Like, us being kind and loving to each other is attractive to a lost world. All right. One body, many parts. First Corinthians 12, 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts no need special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God has called us to love each other and to love people of the world. But I also think he has given special grace to people for certain people groups. Um, and what you may find difficult to be around is easy for another person to be around. So I think if there is a mission or a purpose or a people group God has called you to be around, Make sure you're around them with compassion and love. Because if you can't, you're going to inflict more harm on them than good and turn them away from Christ. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. What is love? This is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 
says it right there without love you're empty if you're motivated to do anything apart from love it's meaningless like a, a person that even is burned at the stake <laughs> that means nothing if they have not love follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy Oh, it was James, by the way, James 2.14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I could keep going and going, but I think a good test to ask yourself is if you think you're like a good Christian or a good human. Ask yourself if you have all the fruits of the Spirit. Which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you're lacking in any of those things, get in your word. Get in prayer with God. Get in his presence. And ask him to work on you until you are well equipped in those things before you feel this urge and need to go out and fight against the LGBT community and trans community. You know what? I was at the gym today, showered in the locker room, came around the corner in my towel, and there was a transgender woman in the women's locker room at the gym. And it was pretty obvious to me that it was a man. And... I had a lot of thoughts about it. I'm not going to go into those right now, but you know what I did? I kept my towel on. I would have kept my towel on anyways. I don't walk around naked in a public locker room. <laughs> but there are tons of ladies, older ladies especially, who walk around naked in there. I don't know how it's going to go. That's the first time I've seen this person in there. I've been in there that gym a lot. But um, it's a crazy world we live in where 
there's biological men in a women's locker room at the gym because they feel like women. Um, and I'm not being disrespectful when I say I'll never see them as women and I will never see biological females that altered physical body parts as men. I just won't. I mean, sure, if you change your name and, and stuff, I'll call you by that. But I just, in my soul and in my spirit, I don't think that's um, how God created you to have to change yourself like that. Um, I don't think he is the one causing the confusion in your mind. Um, but I don't know all the answers. I know that um, I think it's very unfair that there are um, men transitioning into female and trying to play in female sports. That's never going to be an equal playing field ever. I was very, it was, I was very aware from a young age that uh, boys are a lot stronger than girls naturally because they are biologically made that way. It's how God created them. And it's not a bad thing, but to try to suddenly say they're female and then compete against women, that's just another form of oppression by men against women. Like <laughs> men have oppressed women in so many ways. And this is a new form of oppression that women who are competing against each other now have to compete against biological men who are claiming that they feel like women. That's just unfair on so many levels. And I'm not trying to be harsh. That is just the truth. And it's sad. Um, I don't know. I, I, If I would have played against boys in high school basketball, they would have beat us every time. And I think I was pretty good. But there's just really no comparison. So parents, people out there, if that's the case right now with your children, please be in the word and let the spirit guide you on how to handle those things. I don't know, you know, we'll be in heaven someday and it won't matter how many basketball games you won, but whether or not you saved someone from the fire will matter. And that's all I can say about that really. Um, and if you really want to protect your kids from that stuff that you think is out there, Newsflash, you might have children that feel that way in your own home. And you want to know what I think you're supposed to do about that is love your children. Invest in them even more. Spend time with them. Give them your affection, your love, your attention. Show them you care. I genuinely believe anyone who feels that way, it's because... They have a big emptiness in their soul that didn't get filled in a healthy way by one or both parents. Or maybe tragically they were sexually assaulted or something at a young age. That is a high statistic among that um, community. There was a lot of pain and tragedy around that community. And when the church just comes at them with hate, you're blocking them from the only one source that can truly heal them, and that's Jesus. So we have got to more than ever move in kindness and wisdom and discernment. And if you are absolutely unsure what to say about something, don't say some, don't say anything at all. If you can't be kind. Um, yeah.
if you listen this far, thank you. I said a lot. My goal isn't to, you know, give somebody a spiritual spanking. (laughs) My goal is just, uh, if you could really see the hearts and the minds of people in those communities, you would know just the pain and the loneliness and the sadness that a lot of them have. I used to have it myself. And, and when someone comes along and says something like, it's just a choice, you know, it's infuriating. So don't, don't do things like that. Ask God for wisdom and befriend people from that community. They're humans. (laughs) Like, goodness, they're humans. And I think that's one of the biggest problems of the church is not enough people have these personal relationships with people in the communities of LGBT and trans. So yeah. Thanks for listening.